0: thank you so much for joining us for our our 50th anniversary and um we have well we'll talk about what we're going to do for this episode in, in, a, in a second i think most people are aware of what we're going to do but we've got two more episodes left uh 51 and 52 and that takes us right to the end of november so episode 52 is the last thursday in november and because 52 is a nice round number and it's obviously the the year exactly we are then going to give ourselves a well-deserved break, and we're having no Podchat Live throughout December. And we are going to then come back in the new year in 2019. And the plan here is for the episodes to no longer be weekly, but to instead be monthly. And uh, if no one is happy about that, then of course we'll give you your money back uh, immediately. Um, The reality is that weekly is just getting a little bit difficult to sustain so two more episodes december off and then we're back monthly as of 2019 monthly plus maybe one or two in between episodes uh from various conferences that we were at and, and things like that but that's the plan for the future um episode 50 we were, we weren't sure what to do and we wanted to thank Uh, all the guests really because this show is nothing without the guests it's about them and and very much not us so we invited all of them all 67 to come back on and luckily not all of them could make it because that would have been a bit too difficult to handle we've got we think last count somewhere between 35 and 40 although we've had a few last minute dropouts and we've asked them all to come back on just for a catch-up and a chat and um uh, you know, and maybe even a question each for them. But like Craig is going to be uh, keeping a close eye on on the time. He doesn't want us to uh, spend too long with 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 anyone, just so that everyone's got time. And we decided that I don't know. People that watch regularly will know that every week we've got this little running joke of who's going to come on first. Craig and I always say, "Who do we think?" Because we, when we're live, we can see people coming on and it's like who's going to come on first and, and not only are these two guys battling it out for, for first place pretty much week in week out but to my knowledge they're the names that pop up on our screen and have done for pretty much 50 weeks um and that is uh, toby toby blanford and james welsh or jw as he was now be referred to so we decided it would be nice to get these two chaps on and let them co-host it with us essentially let them speak to the experts. So we're going to bring the experts in one by one and I'll quickly just say hi, Craig and I will say hi and we'll remind ourselves which episode they did first. And then we're going to hand over to these two gents um, and I think Craig's going to pull them in at some point uh, soon and we'll say hi to them. We're going to- um... so
1: James is there, but Toby, your video seems to have stopped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's probably a blessing. Because he's, <laughs> he's he's looking particularly here we deviant go. as part of deviance, probably the safest word to use as part of Movember. Here we so, go. go.
1: All's good to go. go. Right.
0: Here we are. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. Evening. How good are you good. both feeling? Excited. I'm, Toby, you look, you look so up for this.
2: I'm nervous. <laughs> <in service. laughs>
3: <Big
2: time. sighs> it's fun.
0: Just, you know, yeah. don't upstage us too much. Don't look too polished. <laughs> James is already looking dapper, you know, looking, looking, uh, looking slick. So that's a worry. We're sitting in our T-shirts. But yeah, thanks for agreeing to this. Because obviously when we we offered this to you a couple of weeks ago, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure if you were going to say yes. Um, I'm really delighted. I'm really delighted you both did. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, right? The most important thing is we're going to have fun. So yeah, the idea is we're going to bring on some guests, maybe one at a time, maybe a couple at a time, depending on, on you know who's in the green room Craig's going to basically just just throw us some curveballs and surprise us we're going to see who joins us and then and then we'll just have some fun
1: yeah. Craig whenever you're ready well I, I actually thought we might start with Chris Bishop because I, I think this all started in when when I called into your house for dinner and this is true first one and then yep came back to Australia and we did another one and then someone asked us a question that you and I didn't know the answer to, so we asked um, Chris to come on <laughs> that, happens, that happens a lot for me. So so Chris was our, our first guest, so I think we was. Bring, bring Chris on now, here he is. Hey, Hello. Chris. Hey, Bish.
4: Hey. You're, you're, in New Ze-
1: you're in New Zealand at the moment.
4: <laughs> I am in New Zealand
0: at the moment. Yeah. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. How's life with you? It's really good. We've got to say thank you to you because now when we ask guests to come on, they know they can Google what this is all about. They know what they're letting themselves in for. They can decide whether it's for them or not. And when we asked you, you just went in blind and just said yes anyway. So we, we first couple of episodes, we were calling in favours from mates. So, you know, without you, this probably doesn't exist.
4: Geez, I hope it's got better since that first uh, first episode. <laughs> uh, no,
5: no,
0: not
4: really. Not I, really. I, I think I did it on uh, about one hour sleep after uh, the birth of my uh, second child, so uh, I was, I was in good true. form.
0: This is very true, and they must have just turned one. Uh, she's one on Tuesday, yeah. So yeah, yeah, perfect. Twelve uh, month anniversary. Um, Awesome, awesome. Without further ado, we're going to pass you on to our, our, well, I don't know which one of you two chaps has got something to ask Bish, but please do, fire away.
6: Um, And that'll be me to start kick things off. Um, Chris, uh, I was lucky enough to to listen to you on that episode, and you talked all about making your own 3D gate lab pretty much Mm -hmm. in your garage with a couple of video cameras and a couple of lights. Yep. Yep. Do you think that there is a place for 3D gate analysis for everyone, for all research, or would you think it has a place in your day-to-day setting? Uh,
4: Look, I think it's got a a place. I think the benefit about 3D gate analysis is the um, ability to combine the kinetics and the kinematics, and that's the big thing. So there is quite a few systems that are kinematics only, and um, I think, as much as that can provide some really good information, it's probably got less of an application in a commercializability point of view. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of benefit in video gate analysis still, um, and obviously there's a cost-effectiveness form for it, but I do believe a full-blown clinical gait analysis combined with kinematics and kinetics is useful clinically as well but i will say even though i've got it probably only five to ten percent of my patients actually benefit or are prescribed it or referred for it so i think it's important that despite you having the technology it's not for everyone and you've got to have a clear purpose or question um for justifying the, the cost and the expense um of the process
6: so you so you clearly wouldn't use
4: it for everyone no i don't use it Run. Like I've got the system there, I could if I want. But the only time I use it, if all of a sudden I I just can't answer it based on standard techniques or analytical processes, and then we go right. This is a little bit more complicated, and we need to delve in a little bit more detailed.
1: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. thanks, Chris. So actually, while I'm on this topic, um, Chris, have you have you, you met Izzy? Izzy Moore. I'll just bring Izzy on. I'm assuming you're familiar with her work. Oh, I've read one or two of the papers.
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah.
0: Right, Izzy. Yeah. Yeah. So Izzy, you did your episode was episode sixteen back on yeah. the fifteenth of fifteenth of March, um, and your episode was mostly around running economy, uh, as I recall, um, and it was it was a pretty popular one, wasn't it, Craig? Uh, and yeah. rightly so. Um. Did you want Bish and Izzy to talk about anything, Craig, or should we well, ask one I, of the? Chat- I was gonna.
1: Well, I had that question for Izzy, I think I, and, and Chris may want to chip in as well. But it was on that that paper that was published recently on um, running economy, and that sort of showed that if you the, if you thought about what you're doing with your running technique, you were less economic. Um, yeah. yeah. I wasn't saying that you shouldn't do gate retraining, but I just thought it was interesting that that concentrating on different aspects of your running technique actually leads to, well, allegedly leads to less running economy, so I just wonder if you wanted to comment on that.
5: Yeah, yeah, so uh, Linda's done quite a few papers like that, uh, this is kind of her latest one where she actually measures some movement parameters, which is yeah. good to see, um, but Uh, I think what's most interesting is she never has a control condition. So you don't actually know if focusing on your movement was worse for you. or Actually, it was just worse to focusing on, I think they watched a video of the environment. Um, But it intuitively does make sense because you are now making your very... uh, kind of automated movement fairly conscious in your mind um and even though i'm a biomechanist uh, there is a there is a brain attached to the human body um and so any kind of (laughs) any kind of interruption um is likely to increase your oxygen consumption Uh, and it's kind of a given and most of our studies where we manipulate gait in any way oxygen consumption rpe they increase um, because people are doing things they're not familiar with and they now have to think about
1: sure. um, yeah hey, Chris you don't have a uh, question for Izzy or a comment on that paper <laughs> oh look I think
4: Izzy has probably nailed it I think the one big thing I think there's a role for for gate retraining but for me it's about just trying to sort of build capacity and I try to, you know, I I'll probably spend a little bit more time in the gym with my patients, trying to build capacity and then allow them to run and give them probably less to think about when they actually run, knowing that they've done the hard work and and developed the capacity in the in the gym or in their in their programs. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there for gait retraining, but you know, the more you have to think about it, the um, the yeah, as Izzy said, the 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 more oxygen you're going to have to con- consume, so you are going to probably have a, a negative effect, but it's important that those control groups are probably considered to
0: understand whether it's actually worse for you. JW and Tobe, did one of you have a question for Izzy? Yeah, well,
2: I, I, I'd i written something down. I only ended up writing something about concussion and scrum caps from the uh, from the paper that came out today. So yeah. I thought, there we go for that. But it's quite, it's quite, going back to the running replay, I was quite interested. Uh, I had the pleasure to do Tom Goom's course a while ago. And I was quite surprised at how subtle the cues were to change what people are doing. So when they say, oh, gate retraining, they oh, I'm going to change everything about the way I run. And actually, the cues were so subtle that it, it was, it's quite, you can make a profound effect with a very subtle cue, effectively.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've, we've kind of got a paper under review with, with Tom as well that he's he's contributed to, which um, it's great to have a kind of clinical insight to our, our biomechanical studies um and actually as well it's, it's sort of the subtle cues but it's also it's that and it's hard for us to test in our lab, but they're quite individual as well. So what works for perhaps Toby might not work for James in that, like it's how you interpret it. Because um, uh, sometimes <laughs> uh, I work with some S&C coaches and they come up with some very weird and wonderful analogies and, and cues to try and get people to change what they're doing. And um, truth be told, sometimes the simplest type ones are, are the best that are fairly direct at the movement, but Sure. Yeah, the easiest one is just to change stride, stride frequency it's a nice subtle one but it has a whole host of mechanical changes associated with it um it's kind of a bit of a go-to i think for, for most people changing gait
1: yeah yeah thanks as you look well perfect thanks, thank you, you i'll move you back yeah. to the green room and we've we've got thanks, we've got ethel on now i think it's midnight for you ethel
7: It is just just about, hey guys, I was just sitting there hoping that I didn't have to ask Izzy a question because I know nothing about running. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's she's basically way too smart for all of
0: us and that's fine. Exactly. I'm just trying to remind myself where the date of yours, we did the podiatry in football, it was World Cup, it was June 28th, episode 31 and you wowed us all with your, you wowed us all with your... Sort of stud surface interaction stuff, um,
7: and
6: continue yeah, to wow Hathol, me on a daily got, basis. Athol, you've got no band tonight.
7: No band, and the <laughs> lights. Did,
6: didn't the lights are staying the for the moment.
7: I was wondering yeah. how long it would take. No mood lighting or anything. <laughs> that was commitment. That was like that was like four a.m. and you know it was uh, the cleaners were around, had the music cranked up, and uh, yeah, that was interesting.
0: Time. You were mate, you were a total pro as always. Um, Thanks a lot. JW, is your question or is it one for Tate? Yeah, yeah.
6: Um, Athol, you, you've been doing your research. Um, has it finished or are you in the end stages of it now?
7: <laughs> like, uh, did you invite my wife on here? No, it hasn't <laughs> finished. <laughs> It's still going. It's very close. Um, Thanks, James, for bringing that up. I've been doing it part-time. I'm still working in the clinic um, as well at Aspatar. So it's been part-time. It's been going on from about the start of 2014 and I'm on the fifth um, study now and all the data's in. So uh, last paper's in, and just to write it up and uh, sort of top and tail it, as it were, put it in the university format. It's, uh, it's through a UK university, actually. My wife's from Northern Ireland, so it's the University of Ulster in Northern Ireland. So hopefully we'll defend that. Great place. Yes, thank you. Hopefully we'll defend that in the early new year.
6: Cool, because the other question was to do with your love of football pitches and what is the best grass to run on? I know you used to have a picture of you and uh, a pitch with a with a lighting rig across it. That yeah, moves I really. At, at a I've, certain really, speed.
7: I've really gotten into grass. Grass is amazing. It doesn't talk back <laughs> to you or, or demand anything. <laughs> you can just go out and and test on it and do all sorts of things. And uh, I wouldn't, no I wouldn't
6: difference. snip those little bits out about you liking grass. Though.
7: <laughs> um, Clever editing so needed. It's compl- of course, it uh, depends on where you are in the world. Um, the the groundsmen really just aim to have 100% grass coverage and, and a surface that's wonderful to play on. And, and if that can also minimise injury risks, then, then that's a, a bonus. Um, so I, I love a grass species called Paspellum grass, which is uh, an American grass. I can't believe grass. you're
0: doing this. You're going to do you're you're like like this. genuinely say
7: going to It's <laughs> just a, it's a lovely blue, blue-green colour. But um, <laughs> it depends where you live.
1: Yeah, actually, while, while while on the topic of football, I've just brought Lindsay on. So if you want st- to, hey, hi, hi, Bye. how are you?
3: Are you okay? I'm okay. Thanks. It was funny you talking about grass because I was at a conference last week at um, medical conference at Manchester United, and uh, when we did the we did a bit of a mini tour of the stadium beforehand, and it was all about the lights that they had on the grass to try and imitate the sunshine that we don't have in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was quite interesting and it was like do not walk on the pitch
7: yeah Brilliant. so it's a, it's a big thing here with the the new stadium designs that are coming in for the world cup in 2022 and, and lots of them obviously uh quite come over the top of the yes. pitch so there's not a lot of sun so grow lights are, are becoming super important and and Tottenham yeah. actually, their new stadium has something. Uh, I just, I'm glad you're going to bring that up because that's going to be one of the
0: best stadiums in the, on the planet. It really will. be. Yes. Um, keep, it really keep will. Dreaming, be. Keep dreaming, keep <laughs> dreaming. Right, it's <laughs> it's it's looking special when it opens in 2030. You'll all be sorry. It's just it looks no. like a
6: toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It looks amazing. It's going to be awesome. And when, so when you're in London, we're going to go. Then we're going to check out the pitch. We're going to check out the grass for you. Okay, I can't wait, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Jw, tope. Did anyone have a question for Lindsay? A football-related yeah, question.
2: A, a, yeah, I got a quick one with Lindsay. The, I just popped onto video today briefly and talking about football boots, how they're not designed at all for the female foot, and you're getting a lot of like first MTPJ problems and stuff. Yeah. Is there any much headway coming sort of towards, a, you know, especially with increased participation in female sports? Yeah,
3: know, that... I'm not really sure. The design of football boots hasn't really changed that much. Um, and I remember that um, No Myths were the one that was trying to sort of go more down the sort of medical football boot. And then obviously they've disbanded and no longer manufacturing the the boots anymore so um i don't know whether we're any further on really with with those kind of issues and and it's whether the girls will wear them as well you know the the design features it's whether the girls want to wear them the you know they 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 want a certain boot and a certain look and so it's whether they'll actually take your advice anyway
2: they have the same problem that kids do that they want to wear cristiano's boots
3: yeah, that's it, and it's not always the ones that are good for the feet that they want to wear, and so there's that whole education um, side to it as well. Great.
0: Footballers never do what they're told, right? Who have we got here? No. Oh, here we go.
1: Here yeah. We go. Okay. I'll look, thank, thanks, guys, for the soccer. I just thought I'd bring Debbie and Jill on together um, to talk about the. Uh, I'm just. Let me just. Can you hear us there, Debbie? I can't unmute you. Okay, we'll just, you
6: know. well, while you're doing that, Lindsay, this is still about boot. Oh, oh, no, Lindsay's oh, gone. Sorry, no, I just, okay. just moved. You've got to be quicker than that, son. You've
0: got to be quicker I than know, that. I know. Clearly,
6: <laughs> I need to learn fast. It was more okay, about boot. But, like, but I will, that can yeah.
1: wait. OK, I've got <laughs> Debbie and okay. Jill now. Can you guys hear us all right? <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah.
0: Hi, guys. Um, Hi. So let me just quickly remind everyone which episodes these were. Jill's was episode 23 back on the 3rd of May, osteoarthritis, and it was a, a wildly, wildly popular one. And yeah. uh, Debbie's was only a few weeks ago. It was uh, – when was Debbie's? Rheumatology, episode 48, November 1st. So, um, yeah, thank you both for coming back on. two Two episodes that – hugely popular and quite clearly because um they're things that people see every day and things that you know the feedback that we get after these episodes and the emails and the private messages that we get and after we delete the abusive ones and we just look at the nice ones the nice ones um uh, about your episodes were all related around someone saying something along the lines of I, I i took something out of that that i applied literally the next day and i think that's kind Of the, the cool thing about this, that's what we wanted to achieve. Um, JW and Tob, w- you know, over to
2: you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think these are the two episodes I actually haven't seen, so I- <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> how dare you! How <laughs> I- dare
5: you! Oh, yeah, sorry,
6: I'm so sorry, Jill off, the, off the back of, Jill. off the back of Griff's question just then, yeah. Um, and you posted something uh, earlier on this week, have you? changed your assessment or treatment practice over the last 10 years and the same thing could be applied to Deb?
9: What have I changed?
6: Because that was the question you posed after Kylie had posted something.
9: Yeah totally nicked that from Kylie Mm. yeah and it was a really good I just think sometimes as a profession we need to just reflect on not only where we're going personally but where the evidence is going as well and what we can change out of that and I think the big thing for me is that particularly with osteoarthritis because that was my area is exercise and potentially load through running it's been found to not be you know detrimental to knee osteoarthritis from that we can maybe extrapolate doesn't um, is as detrimental to foot so you know staying active staying in staying participated in physical activity or exercise or hobbies is really really important and having osteoarthritis at any age whether it's young or old shouldn't um restrict your mindset from being able to participate because we actually know that if you want to live a long, healthy life, it's actually being part of a community and being part of friends' lives and doing things. And actually it's just a very clear message that everyone can take home that if you want to try something new, if you want to do a new hobby, like your osteoarthritis shouldn't really prevent that. And that, you know, pain does improve management does improve and sometimes about knowing that you're not going to damage yourself more. Um, if I just bring Debbie in, cause I know she'll appreciate this. We personally both know a really famous professor called professor Phil Helliwell, who's advocate foot, um, um, Foot research and foot rheumatology, and you know he always says he runs on knees that have absolutely no cartilage on, and you know Debbie will agree with me to say that you know he runs miles, and you know he's a strong early advocate. He does a lot of fell running, and people like that know a little bit more, have a bit more confidence because actually saying to the rest of the population, just because you've got osteoarthritis, don't let it limit you, and you know taking that message forward, and that's something I'm a lot more like. If you want to do it, just load gradually, manage your pain, you know, like we would with any tendon disease. Actually, we should think about the same way.
6: Okay, so, and the same, same thing to Debbie.
8: I think in terms of my practice, there's probably two key things. Um, being able to incorporate ultrasound imaging has been a real game changer for me. Um, and it certainly has influenced Point of Care and the decisions that I would make around treatments. Um, I think more recently, um, we've started to do some more qualitative research. Um, and um, listening to some interviews um, that my PhD student, Kate Carter, has been doing with patients with PSA. Um, I've always been very much a quantitative research girl, um, but I'm very much seeing the value of um, qualitative. And um, I've learned an awful lot um, just by listening and seeing the themes that have come up, and it's certainly influenced the way in which I would um, tackle the whole patient assessment decisions around treatments okay
9: i think that feeds back into the whole that uh, you know kind of motivational interviewing basically getting much more immersed in the patient story because that's very much a theme around isn't the moment that we yep. we, 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 we 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 rather mean quite directive that we we take that whole kind of personalized medicine approach
8: yeah absolutely a prime example is a really strong theme that's come up with Kate's work has been that if a patient with psoriatic arthritis has a close family member that they actually feel that their disease is much better understood. We've seen that they have much better coping strategies. Um, you know, and that's something that you know, that is now part of the, the question that I would have, because if not, those would be the patients that I would be directing towards self-care groups or you know, peer support. So that's just a kind of a prime example of how that, that kind of interaction can influence the kind of decisions that you'd make in practice.
9: Yeah, and I think just reflecting on that, like you say, people haven't got um, family support, that whole you know, online um social support for people who maybe don't have the family member. And that I think I do. There's been a nice paper that came out about osteoarthritis. And um, I think one of the trusts had a Facebook group for them and that people's well-being improved. And it's that whole interconnectivity network and people feeling like, I know where they're coming from. So I know uh, Debbie knows, uh, we, we, we've worked with, together with something called Dr. Ireland Tan, who's um, pioneered this whole people running with arthritis in park run. And it's that whole thing, again, coming back to that idea of being part of a community, you know, being able to go on a Facebook group and say, oh, my arthritis is bad. Yeah, mine's bad, but I'm going to try this. Oh, I might try that. So it's going to using that community, isn't it, to give you a little bit of sense of someone understands me, which I think is great. Sure. Right, so thanks, guys.
8: Answered your question. Yes, thanks. I'll
1: move you guys back to the green room, and then we'll bring on our next couple of guests. Hey, guys. See you. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Debbie. So Ian and Ted were just about to bring you on. I'm just has someone told Ted he's only got two two and a half minutes. Hey, <laughs> okay, and he's sideways. Awesome. Turn your camera around, Ted. <laughs> oh.
0: I like start. you like that. I like
10: you like that. Well, come on, it's um look being uh, down under, this has uh, surely got to be mm. a uh, a consequence of what yeah. happens. Does that work or she? Should...
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got a holding has Ted got a <laughs> holding page? <laughs> has his theory <laughs> gone off and he's got a holding page of his own face?
11: Yeah. Hello, Lane, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm good, you man. I kind of want to come back to something that Jill said earlier on. Uh, I've got the classic um, podiatry thumb where you've got OA at the base of it all and was described wonderfully to me by x as bone bone-on-bone. And, and just coming back to Jill's comment about the exercise, the one thing I've done with it, or two things I've done with that, one is based on something from Kate Patterson over in Australia, using some modes, for the OA, but particularly working with the exercising strengthening of the thumb muscle. And it's a mental big reduction in pain in, in, in the base of my thumb, so I can carry on working with that quite nicely. So, just kind of reinforcing what Jill said there, really. Yeah. I'm delighted Jill's... to hear your thumbs up.
10: Okay.
1: Yeah, kid, can you can you hear us and see us? We can't see your video.
10: Okay, I can okay. hear you. And, okay, uh, well, I then, we'll, then, see
1: we'll move, you. you'll move on with, with the segment. Yeah.
10: Uh, yeah um, like, um, how are you, Ted? How are you, sir? Oh, okay. wonderful. Thank you, Griff. Uh, thank, and congratulations. Um, Merry happiness on your uh, milestone. That's a, a tremendous <laughs> achievement. And uh, I, I like your ideas of planning of uh, what's happening next year with uh, giving yourselves a little more leeway. So well done. A great. great. <laughs> <search>. <laughs> I know
0: we, uh, we, we, we just get just being lazy really just once a week just isn't, wasn't sustainable. For you. I mean, it was for Craig. If, if we're being completely honest, uh, Craig is totally up for it. And you know, Craig's and. Anyone who doesn't know Craig, well, everyone knows that Craig is a machine. This guy is is <laughs> like nothing. I I am not a machine and I have I have hit breaking points, so we compromised. I was ready to throw the whole thing in if I'm honest, but Craig convinced me once a month was a goer, so um, right. Toby JW, what have you got for our no, well, let me let me first remind ourselves when this episode was, because it was the first one. That got a really, uh, a really quite a big audience. I think. Oh no, no, actually, it was the second one that got the big audience. Uh, Belinda's "Devil Told You On" was the first one, but <laughs> it was episode ten back on, all the way back on the first of February that you gentlemen joined us. So thanks for joining us again, and Toby JW, what have you got for our our mobilisation men? Silence. <laughs> you
6: know
2: what, James sent me a list of highlighted people he was desperate to speak to, and I can't remember if these two are on his bit or mine. Ian's on your list, Ted's online. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. so you, go, you go Ted then, James. Ted?
6: got to
0: wing it like we do every week.
6: Yeah. Ted, <laughs> Ted clearly you're an advocate of your mobilisation. What made you say that? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just an assumption. That was all. Um, Between the lines, I clearly, I clearly, for you it works. But for how long?
10: Uh, probably now, I'd say twenty-three years. I apologise, being a bit facetious there. Um, it, it Not at all. On what your uh, clinical objectives are and your outcomes. And uh, the body is a dynamic uh, structure that's constantly exposed to different forces. It's not a a silver bullet, quick fix it, um, one stop shop treatment or whatever whatever other analogy uh, or phrase that we can come up with. Um, It's, I mean, look at the professions like physiotherapy, chiropractic, Uh, these are all manual therapy professions that uh, deal with the dynamic body. Um, There's no question it works, and there's no question it doesn't work for everyone and everything. Uh, I think the biggest... uh, Of course, that that would
6: would be crazy to suggest that it worked for everyone and everything. Why? No, it would be crazy to suggest that it would work for everyone and everything.
10: No no modality, no intervention does. No. Um, And I guess the from my experience, the biggest thing that I've learned or uh, concentrated on is the assessment process to work out who is it going to work for, uh, because there are plenty of people who've uh, sought uh, our professional services, and it's just not appropriate. Then we've really got to refer them on. Uh, and that's because our clinic was set up Is this is what we specialised in. So if you didn't meet the criteria, of uh, being uh, able to benefit from our services, then you've got to see someone else. And uh, that's a yeah, very straightforward uh, process. But um, it, it's a field that yeah, I love, uh, see some great advantages, and particularly for the podiatry profession where we very few practitioners uh, get taught or undertake training with this. Uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it would be great for more podiatrists to be exposed <coughs> and to have these skills.
6: Put, and, and the same to Ian? The same what? Same question, how long does it as last? In, cetera, as in for you, with, your, with your vast experience within this, I know we've chatted <laughs> about this before, the, the, clearly it works because you see the results, but it's the, the long-term application.
11: Okay, so... I, I don't separate any manual intervention from rehab exercise or from changing people's thinking processes. It's all has to be tied into that's always been the case throughout. I do get chance to follow patients up, and obviously there's a limit to how many people you can follow up, but I have patients I'm following up for one, two, and three years So the benefits that have been gained from treatment sessions, maybe one, two, or even three treatment sessions at the most. Those people have continued to have that benefit for two and three years. Um, Some people I've been treating with the fastest stuff I've become involved with recently. I've followed them up for 18 months, and they're still benefiting from those treatment sessions after 18 months. It goes back to the fact that i provided one thing into that mix. Um, The other things are just as important. Um, So I've always felt the, the concept from older research where you were looking at a modality, measure how long the outcome lasts, doesn't last very long, therefore it may not work or it may not be effective, is actually being a a misunderstanding of the humanness about us all. And I think I was very interested in hearing Jill and others coming back to the idea of the fact that we are human, we have a brain on the body, we need to work with all of that as part of our rehab. So mobilization, manipulation, there are some very good papers coming out on the neurophysiological component of that, the changes that are going on in that, and and quite robust (laughs) papers. Um, but for me, yes, I, I, I'm comfortable with seeing the benefits for for, for patients. Uh, no miracles, right?
2: Do you think the pressure comes on with that though, Ian? Because it's an intervention that might be you need to do it quite regularly. That from a maybe an NHS standpoint, cash of seeing patients constantly, or a private, the same. That it's maybe that's why it's drifted out of fashion more. Because people just don't want to chuck money at a treatment package that's going to go on for you know the next 10 weeks if if needs be
11: obviously um i don't think we've been asking necessarily the right research questions uh, i'm not a research person I'm just a straightforward bsc guy so you, you know, i'm somewhat in awe of everybody who's on here talking about their papers but i think for a long time we've not been asking the right questions or looking necessarily at all the information that's come out and understood and interpreted properly um uh, Any manual therapy approach of mine might be one session, maybe two max. The rest will be generally rehab work. Um, So, from the point of view of the benefit uh, of using it, it's it's economical as far as I'm concerned. In that, maybe one or two sessions are enough to get somebody kind of started and motivated and moving along. If I'm using more than two sessions of manual therapy with somebody, I think I'm actually missing something. Um, I would also say, for me as well, the the push is. I'm not sure I actually mobilize joints. I think I actually mobilize skin. I think I actually mobilize corpuscles through the skin and various other things that possibly brings the greater benefit and the greater changes. So a joint mode for B is something I might focus on as a joint at some point. Predominantly, is trying to reduce what I call inappropriate stiffness in, in tissues like muscles. Once I can get that changed, I'm able to kind of find patients moving on a lot quicker. I'm not saying that's the answer, but that's where I'm That's where I'm up with it, really.
1: Okay, look, thanks, guys. We we're conscious of the time, so I'll move you two back to the um, green room, and we'll bring on our next guest. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks. I'm just. I might bring on Peter to talk about vascular issues. Perfect. Change the topic somewhat. Here she is. Hello. Hey, Peter.
12: Hello, I may or may not have just rolled out of bed.
1: (laughs) It's not. It's not that early.
12: (laughs) I know. It's
1: really. How how was your your US trip?
12: Oh, it was really good, thank you. We actually met with um, Professor Joe Mills, so he's the uh, flow of the toe and flow with David Armstrong. So it was really great. We spent some time in the hospital, and yeah, yeah, it was really good.
1: How How was the conference?
12: DEF CON was really cool, yeah. Um, It was um, very much vascular um, and surgical but um, still learnt a whole heap. There was a lot of focus on um, different models of care that people are trying out there but it's all about basically podiatry working alongside vascular as a team so that toe flow model and they're getting great outcomes which is really great. So, yeah. hoping so, to bring that back and try and develop some local um, solutions. Yeah.
1: So that was my question. What was what was the one big take home from that conference for you?
12: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was it. Like, and I think um, everyone needs to sort of just develop local local solutions because these problems, even though they're global kind of issues, they are. In essence about local service delivery, so if we can try and work that out on a local level, I think we can definitely change outcomes yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: Peter your your vascular episode back on episode 14 back on yeah. the first of March um, we knew it was popular which you did with Martin Fox obviously we knew it was popular it's um, just looking at the stats here of all 50 episodes or 49 and then this one um, it's it's the most viewed but of all 50. Yeah, is right. our two date most popular uh, <laughs> over four over four and a half thousand views yeah um,
12: yeah so actually that's
3: your
0: sexy apparently
12: <laughs> <laughs> i um i get emails like every now and again out of the blue um just clinicians contacting me which is i love so please if anyone's you know feel free to contact me about all sorts of things like you know what equipment should i get or yeah. So off the,
0: off the back of that episode. Yeah. They mean. say,
12: I saw your episode on Podchat life. Yep. Yeah. So, so
0: basically you're getting more messages about yeah. it than we are. Is what you're saying. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's great. Toby's, getting sent, Toby's, Toby's first ever episode, he's getting sent a mug. 50 episodes, no one sent me a mug. <laughs> <laughs> God, Craig, well.
1: I was going no, to say, go. have you noticed that the, the most popular episodes are the ones that we're not interested in? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> there's, a, there's a common theme running through this
3: chat.
1: <laughs> well, no, no, no. In all, in all honesty, I think it's the topics that you know who thought dermatology would do as well as what it did who thought vascular you know, like this, no one topics that we didn't necessarily expect to do well are actually the ones that seem to do very well which we, you know which is which is good you know the topics we didn't even intend to do when we first started
0: off and tobe tobe firstly there's a lot of comments on the facebook uh, thread about how much you're touching your mustache it's making a lot of people uncomfortable <laughs> myself included myself included um (laughs) who who had a
6: question for peter who's who had peter on their list uh that's probably i think that's me but you look like you want to have a question yeah i did i just want to say when you said people are contacting you
2: about what kit to have what do you what do you recommend what what should people have that's in the drawer next to them to
12: yeah yeah that's a really good question and i first i have to reply and just ask them how they intend on using it and what kind of patients they regularly see. Oh my God, you're drinking a beer. <laughs> mm. um, and, <laughs> um, that's
6: not tea.
12: I've had my coffee, yeah. Like, Good <laughs> early for beer over here. It's not first and, thing in the morning. Yeah, that's that. Um, so, um, and how confident they are in using equipment so if they don't feel confident taking a toe pressure then I suggest an automated version so um, there's lots of automated equipment out of there (coughs) available out there but some is good and some is not as good Um, but keep it simple a Doppler definitely um, a PPG probe and a cuff so you can take toe pressures Um, and then I would suggest an automated brachial cuff um, that's been validated, so you can speed speed things up a little bit. Mm.
1: Great, Th- thanks, that's thanks, Peter. Again, conscious Don't of worry. the time, and and we'll just move you back to the
4: green. Okay.
3: You're <laughs> welcome. welcome.
1: And hope you enjoy the rest of what we're going to talk about, and we'll
3: will be. <laughs>